When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. He's just a hack, He's just an absolute hack, and he gets his ass kicked by his teammates every week. It's just, you know, it's terrible. It's just terrible. We already had so much to talk about after week five of college football. And just as I'm getting ready to do this stream, I'm doing my notes, I'm, I'm all ready to go, I'm trying to be prepared, got plenty of time to do it. Wisconsin drops that they are firing Paul Christ as their head coach. And I'm trying to collect my thoughts here, but that's what we're going to be open up with today on, on the Week 5 College Football Reaction Show. Here on Hack City, I'm Joe DeLeon. If you're tuning in, hit that subscribe button, hit that like button. Also drop a comment, your thoughts on anything going on with Week 5 of College Football. So today, we're going to recap the Paul Chris news for Wisconsin to kick things off. We're going to talk about Georgia versus Missouri and the uh, the impact of the way that Georgia played in that game. Alabama versus Arkansas. Where do we sit on that? Do we think that they're going to be okay without Bryce Young? Ole Miss versus Kentucky. Who is? How do we feel about Ole Miss after the game? Clemson versus NC State. And then I'm going to go on a nice you know, little rant to talk about uh, Oklahoma and how much they suck. So first, getting right into it. This news that Wisconsin is firing Paul Christ is extremely unexpected. And I have to say, just looking at Paul Christ and his performance as a head coach at Wisconsin – I think that this firing is a little bit unjustified. I think that this was impatient. I think that this was a reactionary move. I understand that this season they have looked very, very bad. Last season was a tough year for them, despite them finishing with a decent record. But before that, we have multiple really good seasons under Chris at Wisconsin. 10-3, and 11-3, and 13-1. He had an 8-5 season in 2018. 2019, he was 7-2. and two. 2020 COVID year, four and three. Last season, 2021, he was nine and four. And they had a you know rough loss to Notre Dame and some other difficult losses. I know that Wisconsin has not been consistently one of the top teams in the Big Ten. And I understand the frustration from some Wisconsin fans. But because of the recent lull from that 2020 season to now and how badly they've played, it just feels like that this is a very reactionary decision. It feels like it is a very, you just got embarrassed by Illinois and Ohio State in back-to-back weeks. We're tired of it. We're just going to move on and we're going to start looking. He was already a guy who had a tie to the program and, again, has produced positive results. They've played in Big Ten championship games. And Wisconsin is not an easy place to recruit to. It's just not a program that you can consistently get five-star recruits especially when you're competing with Michigan and Ohio State and now USC. Simply, you know, separate from that, the way that I look at this this decision, I think it's that Wisconsin now feels that they have a fire under their ass as a as a university, as an athletic program that you're adding USC, UCLA's, you know, they are what they are, but USC is going to make it all the more competitive and difficult to compete for a Big Ten championship game. And then, you know, there's possible even added expansion to the Big Ten that is going to make it 
very, very competitive for Wisconsin and difficult for them to finish at the top of the conference. I think that this was just a move to try and put themselves in a position to succeed for the future landscape of college football. That being said, who are the candidates here? With like five minutes to go, I put together a list of candidates that I thought made a lot of sense. There are names I'm going to be missing. And if there's somebody who you think I should include, please drop a comment. I want to hear who you think. Here are the guys, because this is a big program, albeit it is a difficult place to recruit to. This is a, a premier brand in college football. This should attract a big name coach. This should attract somebody who's already a head coach at another program that's maybe a mid-tier Power 5 program that is going to want to take over. I just talked about the uh, the Colorado situation. That job is nowhere near comparable. That's like an offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator job takes that over. Instead here, this is a big name job. I'm going to throw out a bunch of names here. The first one, and I think that this one is the most obvious, and this this is the guy that you have to throw the bag at. You need to throw every dollar you have at him to attract him to leave. And I think that this is going to be the guy that they hire. Lance Leopold from Kansas has to be the guy that they hire. He previously coached at Wisconsin Whitewater. I don't know off the top of my head the rest of his background and where he's been or where he's particularly from, but he has coached in Wisconsin and produced results at a Division three program in Wisconsin. That is laudable and proof that he can produce results in Wisconsin and he has a connection there. He has since produced highly competitive teams at Buffalo and now at Kansas. And I have talked endlessly on this show and on this stream about how freaking good Kansas is. And for anyone who follows college football knows how hard it is to produce a good Kansas team. It is not easy. It is very, very difficult. And I know that they're now providing more effort and commitment at Kansas, but him doing that is a total testament to how good he is as a coach. Lance Leopold has to be the guy. That has to be who you offer the money to. That needs to be who you go after. And I have, for those who think that Nebraska should go after Leopold or some of these other openings should go after Leopold, out of any of them, this is the most likely for him to go to. He belongs at a Midwestern school and Wisconsin is a big opening for him. And this is a perfect, this is literally the perfect opportunity for him. And if he's going to leave, it is going to be Wisconsin offering if, if they offer him. I think that that is the likely outcome here. The other two that I have, and I've got one that's kind of a wild card and Collins thrown out Chris Peterson, who retired after previously being Washington's head coach. It's possible. I just don't know how easy it is to convince a guy to come out of retirement. It's possible. But Matt Campbell at Iowa State, who has always been discussed when these openings become available for bigger programs, he was brought up in the Notre Dame opening. And I think that Wisconsin fits that, you know, that mold of a, a good Midwestern school that he would be willing to take over. Uh, Matt Campbell, we know, has produced really good results for the Cyclones. That team has been highly competitive in his entire time being there. I know they just lost to Kansas, but Matt Campbell is a guy who can steer the ship and is going to bring the intensity and the tone that you want for your Wisconsin team. Wisconsin is always, 
has that, you know, that notoriety of a hard-nosed running team, really good defensive team. And I think that you're getting that with Matt Campbell. You can get a guy who's going to fit the tone and the vibe. And he is somebody who I think is right below Leopold as the next best opportunity or next best guy to go after. Just depends if Wisconsin is a school that Campbell wants to leave Iowa State for. After that, and I think this one, as we get to the other two guys that I'm going to mention here, and no, I'm not going to mention Urban Meyer. Colin, I have said this before. I have spoken to somebody who actually has like a direct source to Urban Meyer. I don't think that, or it sounds like he is unwilling to go back to coaching in the Midwest. I don't think that that is a likely situation for him to go coach at Wisconsin. I just don't think that's likely. He's definitely not going to Nebraska. But two other options that I think are not as intriguing and are definitely further down the list that made sense off the top of my head are Brett Bielma, who is Illinois' head coach, and uh, additionally, Bill O'Brien. Now, Bielma has previously been a head coach at Arkansas. And if I'm crazy... Bielma has experience as Wisconsin's head coach. Yes, he does. I'm checking. That is a a really perfect opportunity for him to step right back to where he was previously. And I know that's such an easy thing just to slot him back in where he was before, but he has since turned around an Illinois program that just embarrassed you. It might at least be worth considering. Bill O'Brien is the last one. And his name is always going to get circulated as any of the Alabama coordinators are always going to be circulated in these circumstances. Um, I know that Alabama's offense hasn't been the best over the past five years under Bill O'Brien, and they've struggled at the beginning of the season, but the results have been there, and he is a good enough coordinator and offensive mind. I would have confidence that he would turn around the really – haphazard, weak Wisconsin offense that we have seen so far um, or seen recently. So Bill O'Brien is somebody to consider. But just to cap off this discussion on the Wisconsin coaching situation, the top two that make perfect sense, that perfectly line this up, Lance Leipold he, who is need to, needs to be who you go after. And then on top of that, right after him, if you can't get Leipold, Matt Campbell, is another really great option. Do you think Dave Clawson would leave Wake? Jeez, sorry, mic issues. Uh, do you think Dave Clawson would leave Wake for the Wisconsin job? I don't know. I I just don't know if that's like really a job for Clawson that he would he would go to he would leave Wake Forest for that. I don't know what it is, but like because Wake Forest is such a good academic school, it feels like. He would end up at another really top, and I know Wisconsin's a good school. I just I don't know if that's that's like a direct one to one. I think that some of the other names that I brought up are more likely than Clawson. For some reason, Clawson's name, when you go and read all these articles for for coaching candidates, Clawson's name isn't somebody who gets circulated a whole lot. And I think he does deserve more credit, and he's somebody to consider. But again, I, I think that it's Leopold. And it's Campbell are the two best options for for Wisconsin in this situation. All right, we had so much crap happen in Week Five of college football. There was so much that happened, and we and we got to get to recapping all of it. I want to start things off talking about Georgia and Missouri. 
And there's a lot of things to consider, a lot of thoughts that can pop up in your head after this game. The first being, before I get to talking about the, the temperature check on Georgia, is that the SEC is the only conference that can have one of the worst teams in your conference. They're bottom two right now. I think we can all agree on that. You can have one of the worst teams in your conference show up and almost upset the best team in the conference. It is the only conference in the country that I think that, that can do that. And on top of that, the best team in your conference being the number one ranked team in the country at the time. It's not happening in the Pac-12. Colorado's not be, beating USC. It's not happening in the Big 12 anytime soon. It's not happening in the ACC. It's not even happening in the Big 10. Rutgers, look at how they played against Ohio State this past weekend. It is one of the few conferences where there is that level of not parity, but competitiveness and drive. You have in any other conference, bad teams show up, and the minute that they go down, they immediately give up. But Missouri, in this home game, this was their Super Bowl, and they played like it. They played like that they had nothing to lose, which they did not. And I can't say the same for other programs in other conferences that are not the SEC. I know jokingly you could say, Haha, Joe, the SEC bias, even though he claims that he doesn't, even though I'm not from the South. But the SEC has proven this week, especially with the high quality caliber of games that we witnessed, that there is the most competitiveness out of any conference. And it's not even close. By the way, just random shot at South Carolina. They are the worst team in the conference. They suck. Um, Georgia, Missouri, though. I am not freaking out right now about Georgia. And the question that is brought up is, did we overhype Georgia? And the answer is no. Good teams, and I've said this every single week, good teams are allowed to have hiccups. They're not going to be perfect every single week. As unstoppable as they looked, they are going to have weeks where they have issues, where they show up and think that they're going to dominate their opponent and think that they don't have to put in a lot of effort. Maybe these guys in this game are thinking, hey, I'm just going to show up and then I'm going I'm to get taken out in the third quarter. That's how it felt like watching this game early on. And then you saw the reaction on the sideline, two players screaming at each other. Actually, it was one guy screaming at another while the other guy was taking it. That's how it felt. Frustration. Usually in those situations... When a guy is getting screamed at and he's taking it and he's acknowledging it, it's because you showed up and you thought you were going to kick the crap out of your opponent without having to put in any effort in. So I'm not willing to concede that I still that Georgia is not the best team in the country. They moved down in rankings, but they still deserve to be considered the best team in the country. I think front and back, fully healthy, that is the best team. Now, do they have issues that they need to correct? Do they have concerns that are starting to pop up that will prevent them from winning a national championship game and winning an SEC championship? Yes, they do. Their offensive line looked very crappy in this game. They gave up a lot of pressures. They gave up a lot of guys that were running straight after Stetson Bennett, almost untouched. There were a lot of mistakes that that offensive line made. And as much as I've shifted my perspective on Stetson Bennett, and as even though I've laughed at him, and suddenly this year I'm being positive on him, he still has limitations. He is not a guy who is going to succeed outside of structure 
and succeed in those improv- improvisational situations where he can evade pressure and, and things like that. We know that he's limited. The guy was a walk-on, but he's getting the job done, but your offensive line needs to play better. They weren't doing an effective job of opening up rushing lanes until the end of the game when they needed to close out. And defensively, there are some issues, but being impacted by some slight injuries. I am not worried about Georgia at all after that game. But what is now different is that Alabama has had a resurgence over the past couple of weeks. Their victory, that close win over Texas, means less for their resume right now. But they're starting to show and prove that they have the level of dominance to be considered to be one of the best teams in the country. And to be in that conversation of, is it Georgia or is it Alabama that's the number one team? I am, again, I'm not willing to put Georgia, Alabama ahead of Georgia, but I think Alabama is breathing down their neck and they're 1B right behind 1A. It is now a tight race, which it did not feel like it was at the start of the season. Now, in this Alabama game against Arkansas, they started off completely blasting them, dominating them. Bryce Young goes down with an injury, and he is supposed to be day-to-day, according to Saban. And we don't know the full timetable of when he's going to be back if he plays in this next game. The way that I know that Alabama is extremely dominant is the fact that Jalen Milrow, who is their backup quarterback, who I admittedly didn't know anything about. I didn't even know that he was their backup quarterback. Comes into the game and makes a ton of amazing plays. He's a more dynamic runner than Bryce Young. Not as good of a passer, not as polished, but he's a really freaking good athlete. And he adds juice to that offense. The fact that he can come in and that offense feels like it didn't skip a beat. And if anything, might have gotten a little bit more explosive because of his rushing ability is just proof of how good Alabama is. They are starting to hit their stride. And I I said this early on in the season that Alabama is always a team where if they have struggles and they're dealing with issues and the issues that I pointed out were the receiving issues. Who is the go-to guy? No one was showing up. It was all Jameer catching passes out of the backfield in that Texas game. They're a team that is always going to show up every week, figure out their problems, and they're going to get better. And they're starting to show that that was a minor speed bump. That wasn't even an issue. It was a slight bump in the road for the grand scheme of things for the end of their season, for them wanting to contend for a national championship. Now, I know that Arkansas almost came back. I That was all a bunch of, I don't want to say luck, but that was very, very lucky, some of the things that happened. like The onside kick recovery, there was the bad snap by Alabama's snapper who had a really far push to the right snap on a rugby punt. I don't want to get into the weeds of that and how that happens being a former long snapper because I would sit here and talk about it for 45 minutes. But those special teams woes and those those instances were enough of a spark to get them back in the game, but we were quickly reminded that Alabama is so freaking good that as soon as they get back on their feet, and after that spark, that they could just pull away again. I do want to give our Arkansas credit. I think that Arkansas is 
fully capable of being like a three loss team this season. And I, I've been supportive of Arkansas. I like Arkansas as a pro program. And I think Sam Pittman has turned that program in a very, very aggressively positive direction. I similarly give them credit for fighting back and, and surging back and almost making that a close game at the very end of the game. So, so to that point, I think that they're capable of upsetting someone. Not Georgia, but they could upset somebody in an important game in an unexpected fashion at the end of the season, which is why I think that they're probably going to finish as like a three or a four loss team. They'll be a bowl team. They'll probably be ranked at the very end of the season. Outside of that, we had another really, really good SEC game. The Ole Miss-Kentucky game, which I was, was watching while I was getting my car fixed, which sucked because I wanted to actually sit down and watch this game and give it the attention that it, it fully deserved. And this game, though, was it kind of played up to the, to the hype. And I talked about you know leading into this game that I thought Ole Miss was going to win, that Kentucky's offensive line problems them allowing as many pressures as they did, as many sacks, them having one of the worst yards per attempt, running the football. All of those problems were going to show up in this game. We found out right before kickoff that Ole Miss was dealing with a lot of injuries. Zach Evans had a hit pointer. He still played, but in a sparing role, they were missing their starting center. There were other scattered injuries. And when I was doing the SEC kickoff show, uh, not on this channel. It's on Are You Serious Sports. If anyone wants to tap into that and check that out, when I was when I was doing that show and I was being told all this information by an insider, Brad Logan for Ole Miss, I was starting to think, "Wow, I made a terrible pick here. I had no idea that all these injuries showed up." The fact that they won that game with all of the injuries and the and the issues that they had coming into the week, I think, is a testament to how underrated Ole Miss is. It feels like we always overrate Ole Miss. But they are, and they deserve more credit as one of the top teams in the SEC, top four team in the SEC, and one of the top teams in the country. I, I don't know off the top of my head, and I'm blanking off the top of my head where they're ranked in the AP poll, but that is a top eight team in the country. They are showing signs of, you know, really good signs on defense that they not only were able to take advantage of a weak Kentucky offensive line, but they were able to do it viciously. They were all over Will Levis and Chris Rodriguez. They were making so many key important game uh, plays that impacted the outcome of that game. And I didn't know that that defense had that in them. But the other thing too, like I, I was thinking this, and once Zach Evans is fully healthy, Ole Miss has, I think, the best running back pairing in the SEC. The best two running backs playing next to one another in a game when fully healthy in Quinshawn Judkins and Zach Evans. Because Judkins was asked to take up a bigger role. He was asked to step up and, and, and do more in this game. And he made a lot of really nice plays, a lot of explosive splash plays. He was what helped this offense get moving. And Zach Evans did what he could despite dealing with the hip pointer, which is just so freaking difficult to deal with as a running back. That old Miss team feels weird that they're not like this big explosive passing attack. Jackson Dart's doing his job, man. I know they had an interception, but he's just keeping the team on schedule. And if they continue to run the football with both these guys with a lethal attack of Judkins and Evans, they're going to be really hard to stop. And I think that they're capable of showing up and competing. I'm not saying that they're going to beat Alabama or Georgia or Tennessee, but they're capable of showing up and competing to put themselves in a position to win. 
just as a matter of if Lane gets them ready and they're ready to play. The last thought that I have on this is I'm still very, very iffy on Will Levis, Kentucky's starting quarterback. And I'm just talking from the perspective of him as a draft prospect and just him as a player. Because in this game, like it just, he's supposed to be this, this dominant athlete, this guy that is supposed to help his team and, and be the reason why they win. And I don't see a whole lot of that. I get a lot of like Daniel Jones vibes that he's just a really freaking good athlete. He's a really good runner. He's got a big arm, but he's not making those splash plays that makes your team win games. And they lost almost. Actually, I would point to the fact that they lost because of his, you know, poor awareness and ball security on that final drive. They get all the way down to where they're almost able to score a touchdown. There's the clocks running down. They're at the very least going to kick a field goal. Part of me wonders why Stoops doesn't just run the football and get that damn game to overtime after all the issues, all the problems that your offensive line had. I wouldn't have trusted them in a high-pressure, low-on-time situation the way that he did. But on top of that, for, for Levis to fumble in that situation, to not properly hold on to the ball and just not recognize pressure where it's coming. It was in his face. It was in a spot where he was able to see it. That inability to recognize pressure is, is very troublesome. I'm not knocking Clemson or not Clemson, Kentucky down too far, but I am certainly putting Old Miss a significant head above Kentucky after this game because of the way that they played. Clemson, NC State, I don't have anything positive to say. I don't. I, I said this going into the game that both of these teams are overrated. And I stand by that take. I think that both NC State and Clemson are very overrated. And what we saw in this game is two mid-ass teams just slapping around. And the one that was slightly better won the game, which was Clemson. Neither of those teams are good enough to compete for a national championship game. And I'm going to keep saying this until Clemson loses. If they are in the national championship playoff, in the college football playoff, I am going to be so goddamn upset. I do not want to watch them show up and lose by 28 points to Alabama or Georgia. I don't want to see that crap. If you watch this game, you can agree with me that they looked terrible. Sorry, sorry. I'm, that's an extreme. They don't look like the, a top four team. They don't. They look Above average, they look like the best team in the ACC because Florida State played like crap, but they look just a nice amount above above average that they can be ranked in the top 15, not the top four, not the top five. And I'm tired of seeing them ranked ahead of other programs that are more deserving of it. That NC State win is going to, they're going to ride that until the end of the season. Because NC State doesn't really play anyone else that's going to be a very difficult matchup, and they're going to finish with a good record and probably right on the outside of the top 25 or at the very end of the top 20, somewhere around there. They're going to ride that win for the entirety of the season. But what you saw in this game, I, you know, I got to give DJU a little credit, did a lot more as a runner. And I think that Clemson has been unwilling to incorporate DJ Uyunglele as a runner more, and he had a lot of big rushes made a lot of really big rushing plays that helped them win this game. I'm still not in on him, which shouldn't be a hot take. 
because outside of him having all these open rushing lanes and really horrible contain by NC State, he didn't do anything as a passer. Like he didn't set up his team with with you know very good throws that were making them an explosive dynamic offense. Will Shipley did a lot in this game. I think he looked better. I think DJU is starting to look better and better each week, but I don't think that he is deserving of this sudden hype that he's getting. The last thing I want to get to before I get to any comments and anyone who's tuned in and wants to drop a comment, we got a couple from uh, from Colin. We got one from Cody. Uh, we're going to get to those in a second. Last thing that I want to get to is Oklahoma. And I posted like a quick little reel on this. Oklahoma is so embarrassing that they went and hired Brent Venables, who is supposed to be a defensive mastermind. And they're giving up 55 points to TCU and got embarrassed the week before by Adrian Martinez in Kansas State. All it takes is a athletic quarterback who can't throw for shit to just run around until he gets long rushes and then Oklahoma's defense has no idea what to do. They are so unprepared to go up against athletic quarterbacks. It's hilarious that back-to-back weeks, Duggan and Martinez who are not good throwers, but are really athletic and fast and are really good runners, that they took over those games and and blasted Oklahoma's defense. But it is embarrassing, embarrassing that Venables is coaching this team and they they look lifeless, absolutely lifeless in the way that they have played so far this season. And I I said this on Twitter, but Oklahoma is the most overhyped team this season, maybe, you know, separate from, from Notre Dame. But for how long that they were ranked and the fact that they were ranked after losing to Kansas State is kind of a joke. And even if they somehow rally and they finish with two, two, three losses at the end of the season, they are not worthy of being ranked. They're not a good football program this year. They lost so many guys. And for some reason, they were considered to be just a bounce back team. All those guys that left the portal, left in the portal and Lincoln Riley leaving. It wasn't going to be an immediate turnaround. I'm not saying that Venables can't get that team right. It's going to take some time, but this team sucks right now, and they are missing a lot of important pieces. It doesn't help that that Dylan Gabriel goes down the way that he does in that game. All right, we got a couple comments here. Uh, loving Broderick, Jones, Paris Johnson, and Olo Fasho this year. Definitely a good tackle class. So, Cody, um, talking about the offensive linemen in this year's 2023 NFL draft. The one I like the most that you mentioned here is Paris Johnson. And we're getting to see Johnson in in better and better games as as Ohio State is just progressing and and getting even stronger each week. And I think that once you bumped him out to tackle, he was just going to ascend and he was going to take a step up. Really good athlete. If you want to go look through our shorts, the, uh, the, the, the shorts on this channel, I posted a, his high school highlights. The guy's a mean dude. The guy's bullying dudes in high school. It's hilarious to watch. But I love Paris Johnson. I think he is the best amongst the guys that you mentioned there and possibly could be tackle one in this class in the 2023 NFL draft. All right, Colin's comment. As a spectator, I'd rather see Tennessee Orange in the playoff rather than Clemson Orange. Again, anyone who's hopping in, uh, we've got eight people tuned in. Drop a comment. Drop your thoughts on college football week five. Drop your thoughts on Paul Chris being fired. Would love to, you know, comment on any of that stuff. And again, Colin, 
I totally agree with this. I think that I don't know what the path it would take for Tennessee. Let's pull up Tennessee's schedule right now. I, I think that for that to happen, you would essentially need – so they play LSU this upcoming weekend. They play Alabama, UT Martin. They play Kentucky. They have to play Georgia. They play Missouri, South Carolina, then Vanderbilt. That is a tough gauntlet for them to get through. For them to make the college football playoff, and speaking off of pure speculation, for Tennessee to make it to the playoff would need to beat either Alabama or Georgia. It is going to be a really difficult task for them to beat both of them, and I think it's unlikely for them to beat both of them. They're a really fun, exciting team, but I don't know if they're at necessarily at their level to beat both of those programs like for them to beat both of them means that they're winning the national championship. There's, there's there's nothing to look into that even any further, but if you win one of those games and you go to the sec championship game and say you lose the sec championship game and you're a, a two loss Tennessee team. And as long as like Michigan has a couple losses, maybe Oklahoma state has a couple of losses and the big 12 is unsettled. And I'm hoping that, we're not just going to blindly shove Clemson in there. That, that's where this gets interesting and why I like this comment is that the realistic future that we're going to see at the end of the season is a two-loss Tennessee team, two- or three-loss Tennessee team, which actually, if they play, don't play in the SEC championship game, it's actually even better for them. A two-loss Tennessee team and Clemson competing for that four spot. I, a thousand times over, would rather have Tennessee, a two-loss Tennessee team, over a undefeated Clemson team. Clemson is probably going to go undefeated. There's a very strong likelihood that they go undefeated. But I would much rather have Tennessee. Based on those resumes, even if they have two losses, I'm, I'm still taking Tennessee. Colin, your thoughts? Uh, they got to beat, yeah, one of the Alabama, Georgia, and win the SEC. I don't think they need to win the SEC championship game. I think. For them in the in the East, I, I'm just I want to look up what the standings are right now. For them in the in the East, say they lose to Georgia, it actually might be more beneficial. I know that this is you know this is like total whiteboard madness here, trying to draw up how the hell does Tennessee make it to the playoff? Say they beat Alabama, but they lose to Georgia, that actually might put them in a better circumstance to make the playoff because then they don't have to play in the sec championship game. And I know that like, as a Tennessee fan, you're probably thinking like, what, what the hell I want them to play for an sec championship, but it's a risk to then play that extra game. And then if you lose that game and you don't win it convince, or you lose, you don't lose convincingly, it might hurt the argument of if they deserve to be put into the playoff. So if you're a one loss Tennessee team, say you lose to Georgia, you beat Alabama, Alabama plays Georgia, for the SEC championship game, you know, you then can have this, this discussion of if Alabama loses in that circumstance, Tennessee might would be more deserving of being placed in over Alabama. There is going to be a really interesting mess that is going to happen at the end of the season for this debate of who deserves to be in the playoff from the SEC. Very likely that we end up with three teams. I think it's very, very likely. Or at the very least, the top three teams, which right now are Tennessee, Alabama and Georgia might beat up on each other enough 
that it might only be one team or one one team's the top seed and one's the one's the four seed. We'll have to see what ends up happening. Folks, thanks for tuning in. Hit that subscribe button. Really appreciate it. Uh, we'll be back with more during the week to preview the games. Thank you, Colin, as always, for uh, for the support and telling people to comment. Uh, we'll be back with more. Everyone enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.